and we're going to read here the first uh, 20 verses of uh, this chapter. I'm going to mainly focus on the first 11, but I wanted to uh, read the first 20 to just kind of help us get an idea of what's going on here. It says in uh, Jeremiah chapter 13, uh, starting in verse 1, Thus saith the Lord unto me, Go and get thee a linen girdle, and put it upon thy loins, and put it not in water. So I got a girdle according to the word of the Lord, and put it on my loins. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, Take the girdle that thou hast got, which is upon thy loins, and arise and go to Euphrates, and hide it there in a hole of the rock. So I went and hid it by Euphrates, as the Lord commanded me. And it came to pass, after many days, that the Lord said unto me, Arise, go to Euphrates, and take the girdle from thence, which I commanded thee to hide there. Then I went to Euphrates, and digged, and took the girdle from the place where I had hid it, and behold, the girdle was marred, it was profitable for nothing." Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, After this manner will I mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people, which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart, and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them, shall shall even be as this girdle, which is good for nothing. For as the girdle cleaveth to the loins of a man, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, saith the Lord, that they might be unto me for a people and for a name and for a praise and for a glory, but they would not hear. Therefore thou shalt speak unto them this word, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, every bottle shall be filled with wine. And they shall say unto thee, Do we not certainly know that every bottle shall be filled with wine? Then shalt thou say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will fill all the inhabitants of this land, even the kings that sit upon David's throne, and the priests, and the prophets, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with drunkenness. And I will dash them one against another, even the fathers and the sons together, saith the Lord. I will not pity, nor spare, nor have mercy, but destroy them. Hear ye and give ear, be not proud, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before he cause darkness, and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains, and while ye look for light, ye turn, uh, he turn it into the shadow of death, and make it gross darkness. But if ye will not hear it, my soul shall weep in secret places for your pride, and mine eyes shall weep sore and run down with tears, because the Lord's flock is carried away captive. Say unto the king and to the queen, Humble yourselves, sit down, for your principalities shall come down, even the crown of your glory. The cities of the south shall be shut up, and none shall open them. Judah shall be carried away captive, all of it, and it shall be wholly carried away captive. Lift up your eyes, and behold them that come uh, from the north, where is the flock that was given thee, thy beautiful flock? Lord, I thank you for this new year, and I ask that you uh, would be uh, glorified in our lives this year. 
Lord, I pray for this morning service that we would look into your word and just uh, have understanding of, of uh, what you have for us here. And uh, Lord, I just ask that you would be at work this morning. Uh, Lord, I, <clears throat> uh, we need to depend on you uh, to work, Lord. I have no strength and ability of my own to, uh, to be able to say anything useful this morning, but I, I just ask that you would be at work, and uh, we'll praise you for that, and uh, we, lo- we love you very much, Lord. Christ, then we pray. Amen. Make sure I got this. I thought maybe I... I hadn't turned it off mute there, so there we go. Sorry about that there in the sound room. Well, I want to start off this morning by giving a brief history of the world. Uh, and so bear with me for a little bit, but I want to I have a reason for doing this. I want to uh, kind of make a point here. Um, if we go back to the, the first chapter of... Uh, the Bible, or the first book of the Bible, the first couple chapters, Genesis 1 and 2, we have God creating the world, and we have the Garden of Eden, the perfect paradise. God created a perfect world, a sinless world, one that did not have death and corruption at that point. And he had put two people, I know this isn't uh, anything new probably to anybody here, he put two people, two of mankind, Adam and Eve, in the garden. And He had blessed them with many things, but he had given them one restriction, one thing that they could not do. They had many things that they could do. They had uh, just a perfect paradise, but there was one restriction. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it would be, in my mind, unfathomable in the midst of all that they had. I say unfathomable, I know human nature but it just thinking about it, they had all that they had. They just had this one restriction. And it was just dependent on them. As long as you don't eat of that tree, then everything will be good. Well, of course, we know the story. They made that choice. They were deceived. They were tempted. And that one restriction, they fell, and they took of, uh, that, that, they took of the fruit, and they ate it. And they sinned. And from that point forward, the earth had corruption, there was death, and sin was passed on to man. Then after that, you had a period of time where man, God uh, spoke to man or communicated to man through uh, various methods. We won't get into that uh, this morning, but God had communicated to man. Man had a conscience, a, uh, a general understanding of right and wrong, and they, had, uh, they were responsible for what God had shown them to, to uh, do that which was right. They didn't have the written word of God, but they had a conscience. They had an understanding. And throughout those first stages of history, we see man go downhill. We see man plunge into wickedness. And you get to Genesis chapter 6, and it talks about how men, how men did uh, the imaginations of their heart. They were only evil continually. And it says that there was violence throughout the earth. And we see that man uh, having, uh, in this time of having an understanding, a general understanding of right and wrong, chose to turn away from wrong and plunge into deep wickedness. And that's when God sent the flood and punished them for that. 
Then I'm going to fast forward a little bit here. We're going to skip over a few things, but about uh, 350 or so years after the flood, there was a man born by the name of Abram, who would eventually become Abraham. And God, and God told him to leave Ur, uh, the, the place of his uh, nativity, the place uh, where, um, the, to, to leave the paganism that was there and to travel to the land that God was going to give him, which would be the promised land. And God promised Abram, Abram and Abraham uh, that that land would be his would belong to his descendants. And he gave that same promise to Abraham's son Isaac. And he gave that same promise to Isaac's son Jacob that that, that land would be that would belong to their des- descendants. <clears throat> and then of course uh, the, their, uh, the descendants of Jacob, which would be the children of Israel, went into Egypt. They served in bondage there for about 400 years, and then God took them out. And God, through miraculous events, through plagues, and through taking them through the Red Sea, uh, bl- protected them, blessed them, and God was going to take them to the promised land. God was going to fulfill their, His promise God had given them the promise. The, the children of Israel had that promise that he had given uh, a few hundred years ago to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob that that promised land was theirs. And then what happened? They had the opportunity. They sent the spies in, and the spies came back and brought the evil report. And in spite of this promise, in spite of having that promise that God had said that he would take them to the promised land, the Bible says that they could not enter in because of their unbelief. They did not believe God, and therefore God uh, had them dwell in the wilderness for 40 years, and then that whole generation of 20 years old and upward died. And so again, we see uh, a a failure on man's part. So finally, after being in the wilderness for 40 years, God brought the children of Israel into the Promised Land. And God had given them the law through Moses, the... the, uh, the, the standard of righteousness. The law showed the standard of righteousness of God, that, that if one was to obey the law perfectly, that he would be righteous. The, Moses said that uh, you sh- if, whosoever keeps this law shall live in them. God, uh, God's standard was set. Man had it written down in front of them, the law, and they had that to keep it. And uh, the children of Israel went through a period of time where God was their king. They had, no, they had no humanly king. They had God as their king. And they had freedom to, freedom to serve God. They had the, the standard of what they should do. And they had that freedom to follow what God had said in the law and obey it. And what happened was, well, not a one of them was able to keep the law. Man had uh, the law given to them, the, their standard of what they should obey, and no one was able to keep it. And what happened was the children of Israel plunged into idolatry. And you look through uh, the book of uh, Judges, and you see the children of Israel plunging, plunging into idolatry, into great wickedness. And then God would judge them, and they repent. And then, and then uh, after some time of God blessing them, they would fall into idolatry again. And we see here that, once again, man <clears throat> failed to... Uh, failed to meet the standard of righteousness. Instead, man plunged into wickedness. And so then, 
a new system came where the children of Israel decided we're going to set us up a king. We're going to have a king that's going to rule over us. And uh, this freedom that they had uh, to just follow God uh, 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 as, as their king was largely taken away. We see that uh, with um, after Solomon passed off, the, uh, and Re- Solomon's son Rehoboam came. What was Jer- Jeroboam's complaint? Jeroboam's complaint was that Solomon had worked the people hard, and he was, he was saying to ease their burdens... And of course, Rehoboam wouldn't do that. But we see that that freedom that they had to just follow God uh, according to the law, but just follow God as their king was taken away. And now they have a, a, a humanly king to follow. They had set up a new system where the, where the king was in charge. And did that work? Well, we see the, the two kingdoms splitting the northern, the, into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom would plunge into idolatry and stay in idolatry throughout its, the entirety of its existence. They had no good kings, and they, and they served uh, idols and were a wicked nation. And then we see Judah in this roller coaster of, at times, serving God, and at times, plunging into wickedness, and at times, serving God, and at times, plunging into wickedness. And here again, the system didn't work. Man was not able to obtain righteousness. Here we have another system where man trying to do good and the result is plunging into sin and wickedness and destruction. And we see after the time of the kings where you know, eventually the children of Israel were taken captive. And we see through history that empires would rise and fall and new systems would come and new systems would fall. Uh, a, a, a empire would come with their way of doing things and their system, and that, that system would crumble and fall. They would fall into wickedness. They would be destroyed. And another empire would come with their system, and, and that would fall, and that would be destroyed. And, and we see the lesson that we get through this is throughout history, any one of man's systems fails. Men, men build their systems, and men's systems crumble and fall. And this is the lesson that we see through history, that man is incapable of creating a system where they are good, where they are righteous. They are incapable of creating a successful system. Every single one throughout history, every single one of man's systems throughout history that was built would result in complete failure. It would result in wickedness. Man trying to be good, but failing. Man trying to be good, but turning out wicked. And we see that throughout history. And we see in today's world, Man's systems at play, and we see them crumbling before our eyes. The lesson in all of this is man, <clears throat> man's systems fail. And there's only one system that succeeds. And we can call that the system of the gospel. It is the, the reason that that system succeeds is it because it, it takes its eyes off of man and what man can do and puts it on Christ. It's the only system that works because Christ is the only one who is powerful enough, is strong enough to succeed. He is the only righteous one, the only holy one. We learn that when we try to do things on our own, we fail because we are not holy, we are not just, we are not right. We are sinful. But the system of the gospel is the only system that succeeds because it takes eyes off of man and man's weakness, puts it on Christ, and lets Christ have his way, lets Christ produce righteousness in man's life, and it succeeds. And I promise you, 
It will never fail. Christ's system will never fail. It will succeed, and it's the only one that will succeed. And so, get, getting back here to Jeremiah's time, the, people, the children of Israel should have known, should have understood this by now. At this point in Jeremiah, when Jeremiah was around, the children of Israel had been under the time of the kings for about 500 years. And they should have seen how man's systems had fallen, how the northern kingdom had been in wickedness and idolatry, and the, and, and the southern kingdom of Judah had been just up and down, and, they, and failure after failure. They should have known by now that man's systems fail, and that it's only God's system that truly succeeds. <clears throat> by Jeremiah's time, it has, had been roughly 100 years since the northern kingdom of Israel had been carrying away captive. And it's kind of interesting to me to picture in my mind, thinking 100 years ago, 1922, I only have a vague understanding of what the world was like in 1922. I, I really just vague, vague, a vague imagination of that time. And it's interesting for me to think about people who are my age in Jeremiah's time, they really only had a vague, a vague imagination of what it was like when the northern kingdom was there. But now the northern kingdom was gone because of their sin. And Judah was also in bad, sh a bad, sh in bad shape here. Jeremiah's prophecies began uh, during the time of the reign of Josiah, who was a phenomenal king. He's uh, probably my favorite king to look into. He was a phenomenal king. But after he uh, came off the scene, it was just downhill from there. It would be, uh, they had a, a few more kings that were not good. Uh, it would be, after Josiah's reign, it would be roughly 10 years or so before the southern kingdom's cap captivity would begin. Uh, and so Judah, uh, the southern kingdom of Judah was in bad shape at this point. I think, as we look here in uh, Judemiah, Judemiah, <laughs> Jeremiah 13, I think this prophecy, I don't know for sure, I think this prophecy was not during Josiah's reign, it was during one of the later kings who were not so good. I, the reason I specifically think that is in verse 18 here, uh, it says, Say unto the king and to the queen, humble yourself, sit down, for your principalities shall come down, even the crown of your glory. So I think this is not during Josiah's reign, but even during Josiah's reign, Judah was still in a... Uh, in a bad shape, God had, God had determined that he was going to destroy Judah. And he told uh, Josiah that he wasn't going to do it during his reign, but it was still uh, set in stone, if you will, that he was going to destroy them. Look with me, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter 22, and we'll see this. <clears throat> I'm just trying to lay the foundation for where we're at here in Jeremiah 13. It says in 2 Kings 22, verse 15, And she said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you to me, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read, because they have forsaken me, and hath burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the work, uh, works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place, and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, this is Josiah, 
which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall ye say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. So here we have a promise to Josiah that this evil that was pronounced on Judah would not happen during his reign because he humbled himself. He looked to God um, and so he has this promise that it wasn't going to happen during his reign, but it was still set in stone. Judah had turned their back on God. It was set in stone. God was going to judge them. And so we get to Jeremiah 13, and we have God telling, uh, giving uh, Jeremiah a, a job to do here. Uh, a, a task that he wants him uh, to accomplish. He tells him to go and get a linen girdle. Verse 1, he says to put it upon uh, thy loins and put it not in water. And so Jeremiah went and did that. He went and got the word, or sorry, got the girdle and put it on his loins. And then in verse 3, it says, The word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, Take the girdle that thou hast got, which is upon thy loins, and arise, go to Euphrates, and hide it there in the hole of the rock. So now the Euphrates River is not part of Israel. It is off uh, in, uh, the, in the uh, area, um, I believe they would, maybe I think at that time they would call it Babylonia. <clears throat> and so he went and, and hid the girdle uh, by the Euphrates River. And then in verse 6 it says, And it came to pass after many days that the Lord said unto me, Arise, go to Euphrates, and take the girdle from thence which I commanded uh, thee to hide there. So Jeremiah goes back to Euphrates, the place where he had hid the girdle, and he, he digs and gets the girdle. And he says in verse 7, at the end of verse 7, Behold, the girdle was marred, and it was profitable for nothing. And so we kind of have the story of what God had told uh, Jeremiah to do, and it's going to picture something. In verse 8 it says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, After this manner I will mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. So after this manner, after what manner? After the manner of being taken away to Euphrates, which uh, I believe it's very clear here we see uh, in verse uh, 19 that says the cities of the south shall be shut up and none shall be o- uh, and none shall open them Judah shall be carried away captive all of it so I think it's clear here what this is referring to it's talking about the captivity of the tribe of Judah being taken to Babylon and so he says after this manner after the manner of being taken to the Euphrates or or Babylon uh, that God is going to mar the pride of Judah. And uh, again, the, the girdle was taken to Euphrates and, and, and hid, and then uh, while it was hid, it was marred. <clears throat> it became profitable for nothing. And so uh, we see God saying that in the same way that God, that in the same way God is going to mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. He's going to carry them captive and, and uh, mar their pride. 
there's a couple of things in this, uh, in this passage that we see that this girdle pictures. And we're going to look at those two things here. In verse 9, the first thing, I already mentioned it, it says that the girdle pictures the pride of Judah. It says, again, in verse 9, Thus saith the Lord, after this manner will I mar the pride of Judah. So in the same way that the girdle was marred, the, the pride of Judah, the great pride of Jerusalem, would be marred. The girdle, from what I read, was something that was worn by the upper class as a symbol of pride. It's not something that they would have wanted to be uh, torn or, or, uh, or made dirty uh, in the dirt. It was something that uh, they would have worn as a symbol of pride. And yet, <clears throat> it was that, yet this pride of, the, of Judah was going to be marred. God warned the, the children of Israel of this, if you look with me, in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 26. And uh, this is, the, the young nation of Israel was warned of this very thing that would happen. And uh, I'm going to read uh, probably the first 20 verses, but I'm going to read kind of fast at first before getting to just what I want to show. But I want, to, uh, I, want to, I want us to see what God is saying here in Leviticus 26. It says, You shall make, no, uh, make you no idols nor graven image, neither rear you up a, a standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land uh, to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary, I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then will I give, will I give you rain and due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the fruit of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And you shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely. I will give you peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. I will rid evil beasts out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your land. And you shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall uh, before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase an hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. And your enemies shall fall bef before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you, and will make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. And ye shall eat old store, and, build, and bring forth old, the old because of the new. And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. And I, I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that ye should not be their bondmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke, and made you go upright. And if ye will not hearken unto me, but will do all these... Sorry, but uh, let me start over. <clears throat> but if ye will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments, and if ye shall despise my statutes, or, or if your soul abhor my judgments, so that ye will not do all my commandments, but that ye break my covenant, I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and the burning ague, 
that shall consume your eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And ye shall sow your seed in vain, for, for your enemies shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and ye shall be slain before your enemies. They shall hate you, uh, or sorry, they that hate you shall reign over you, and ye shall flee when none pursueth. And if ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. Verse 19, and I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass and your strength shall be spent in vain for, the, for your land shall not yield her increase neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. <clears throat> so we have God telling the children of Israel here that if, they follow, if you follow me and keep my commandments then I will bless you. Uh, and uh, uh, he says in, uh, in verse 12 I will walk among you and I will be your God and you shall be my people. But then he says if you will not obey my commandments... I will obviously not bless you, and there will be judgment. In verse 19, I will break the pride of your power. So here, so in Jeremiah, Jeremiah's prophecy and saying that God was going to mar the pride of the, of, the, uh, of the nation of Judah, and it's what he warned of in Leviticus chapter 26. Pride takes our eyes off of God and puts it on ourself. <clears throat> and this is why man's systems fail. As we talked about, man's systems fail. Why? Because the eyes were taken off God and put on self. And man, in the, his arrogance, said that I can, be, I can be just, I can be good, I can do something. And that's, we see that today. Man thinks that they can do something. We, it's amazing what man uh, thinks that, you know, that what we can do. Man, in our, in our pride and arrogance, we think that we can set up something that's going to be great, that's going to, that's going to succeed. Uh, and this pride takes our eyes off of God and puts it on man. But of course, as we, as we already said, man's systems will fail. <clears throat> so pride, pride focuses on man, what we can do. In uh, 1 Peter, you can turn here uh, if you want, you don't have to. 1 Peter chapter 5, a familiar portion of scripture, I'm sure. In 1 Peter 5, at the end of verse 5, it says, For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. It says in verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. He's saying, take your eyes off yourself. Humble yourself. Let yourself decrease, and let God increase. Don't attempt to do things in your own power. Don't think, to, don't think that you can do anything. Think that God uh, can do everything. Humble yourselves and God will exalt you. And this is uh, in the gospel. You humble yourself as a sinner before God and God uh, exalts you, giving you salvation, giving you a robe of righteousness. It says in verse 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Why cast all your care upon him? Because you're taking your eyes off of, your, off of yourself and you're looking to Him. And everything that you face, you're looking to Him for the answers. You're looking to Him to sustain you and to provide for you and to give you the victory and the strength. Verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We trust Christ. We take our eyes. Again, this is, a, this is the same idea here. We take our eyes off of ourself and we put it on Christ. We put it on God by faith. <clears throat> and we resist by faith. 
whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. <clears throat> but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. It is the God of all grace that makes you perfect, that establishes you, that strengthens you, that settles you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we see here that we are to humble ourselves, that <clears throat> we should not be prideful, we should not have our eyes on us and what we can accomplish, but we should humble ourselves and look to God for everything. <clears throat> we ought not believe this, these lies that are going around in so-called Christianity that, oh, you're, God just thinks you're wonderful, and, and God just wants you to, tr to believe in yourself. You can do it. These are lies. These are not true. These are prideful. These are putting our eyes on ourselves that we can do something, that we can, that we can be good, that we can be successful, that we can be great. They're lies. Look with me, if you would, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. What were we before Christ? What were we when we were trying to do things according to our own systems, according to man's systems? Before, the, before Christ, in our own strength, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God. So here's where, it, here's where the focus goes on God. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together in Christ. By grace are ye saved. So it's not we were dead, he quickened us. By grace are ye, are ye, by grace ye are saved. Verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So we see here God meeting the needs of those who are dead in their trespasses and sins, providing them that grace, quickening them, meaning providing them, providing them the life. It says that in the ages to come, he might show forth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. When we humble ourselves and we recognize this, Christ gets all the glory. We speak of his grace. We're not looking at ourselves as the source of this salvation. We're not looking at ourselves as the source of this righteousness and goodness. We are praising him for it. We're looking to him and we are, we are, we are letting his glory shine through us because it says in verse 8, for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, we're taking our eyes off of ourselves. We're not boasting in ourselves. We're not boasting in what we can do. Because again, that's pride, and God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. <clears throat> so we're not... God's system, the gospel system, is not about boasting in what man can do. God's system, the gospel system, is about showing forth the exceeding riches of the grace of, and the kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> it is looking to Christ. It is not looking to ourselves. And we see here Judah. In Judah's system, they had attempted in their own way to, to, 
to be righteous, to, to be successful, and they failed because of their, they were proud. They were looking at themselves. <clears throat> Look with me back, if you would, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 13. I just wanted to say, you know, the Bible says, the preaching of the cross is of them that perish foolishness. And to us which are saved is the power of God. Many people don't understand this concept of man is not good. Man cannot be right. <clears throat> and if this, if you, if this doesn't make sense to you, I encourage you, come, come talk to somebody. And let them show you, let them help you understand this, that it is all about God. It is all about God's righteousness and that we are nothing. It's, it's so hard for people to realize, they just want to say, oh, well, man is basically good. Oh, well, I know I've messed up, but I'm trying. I can, I can be better. It's so hard for them to, re- to understand this. The, gospel, the preaching of the cross is them that perish foolishness. But... <clears throat> The preaching of the cross is that we are wicked and we have no goodness in us, but Christ is righteous and he paid our punishment or he took our punishment upon himself so that we can be forgiven and, and, uh, and he gives us righteousness. It's, it's, it's all about his goodness and his righteousness. And if, that is, if you're having trouble understanding that, please talk to someone. Come talk to me. I'd be happy to, to speak with you or talk to somebody else and let them explain it to you. Um, I promise you it'll blow you away once you get a hold of it. Back here in Jeremiah chapter 13, <clears throat> we talked, it, the passage here talks about how this girdle pictured the pride of Judah and how the pride of Judah is going to be marred. Verse 10, it also says, This evil people, which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart, and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them, shall even be as a skirtle, which is good for nothing. So we see that this passage compares, uh, uses the uh, girdle to picture the pride of Judah. In verse 10, the girdle pictures the people of Judah. It says, this evil people, which refuse to hear my words, down at the end of the verse, shall even be as this girdle. So there are things that are listed here that were wrong with the people of Judah. It says, this evil people, which refuse to hear my words. God's words were sent to them. They had the law. They had prophets, uh, Jeremiah included, going to them and bring them God's word, yet they refused to hear God's words. It says, which walk in the imagination of their heart. <clears throat> they walked after their own opinions. They walked after their own plans, their own ideas. Rather than hearing God's words, they, they did not hear the words. Instead, they walked in the imagination of their heart. It says, and walk after other gods. So, refusing to hear God's word, walking in their own imaginations, their own ideas, and walking after other gods. They're pursuing the, uh, the lifestyle, the uh, ideas, the, that which these other gods would have them do and, how, and have them act. They're walking after those things. <clears throat> 
I was thinking about why man would do this. It was interesting to me as I was looking at this, uh, one of the, uh, the um, uh, false religions, so, uh, if you will, that the children of Israel struggled with was Baal worship. And I was looking at, at Baal uh, a little bit as I was looking into this, and I read this in one of the Bible dictionaries that I have. It says, The attractiveness to the Jews undoubtedly grew out of its licentious character. <clears throat> it was interesting to me seeing that, how they were attracted, you know, from what he was saying, and it makes sense, they were attracted to Baal because of its licentious character. We see in the world how the world will say no to what God says and will embrace their own ideas and then start following these ideas that please them. We see the children of Israel saying no to God who God, who God condemns licentiousness. <clears throat> they say no to God and then they start following what they want and then they find this other false God who promotes licentiousness. And so they follow that. And we see that in this world, saying no to God, because that's not what we want. Saying yes to these other systems that say, you're okay to just do whatever you feel like doing. They follow these other systems that say, you're a good person. Just go on, do what you want. Uh, you know, God is okay with this. God's okay with that. God understands. You know, God made you that way. And, oh, that looks good to me, so I'm going to follow that God, even though that's not the God of the Bible. And we see that the children of Israel doing that, turning away from God's words and following after these other gods, these gods that fit their ideas, these gods that make them happy, that, that, that allow them to fulfill their wicked lusts. It says, again, verse 10, This evil people which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart, and walk after other gods to serve them. So now... They're taking of their time and their resources to serve these other gods. It says, and to worship them, they begin to hold these things in value. These, other, these false gods, they begin to hold them in value rather than the one true God, the true creator of the universe, the true one who has power, having value and ascribing value and worth and praise to these other gods, these other false gods, not true gods. <clears throat> We've seen in this world, in this world many gods, and I know it's been said before, it does not just referring to a false religion or false idols, gods in our lives can be whatever it is that we ascribe worth to as a god, that we ascribe uh, a, um, <clears throat> that we lift up above God, above the one true God. I was reading a book recently um, on parenting, and uh, it said something interesting. It said that it was talking about understanding the gods that your children have put in their lives. And it said that we should watch and see that which our children fear. Because... <clears throat> Naturally, that which we make a God in our life is that, is, is that which we will fear. 
If your children, if, if friendships are the God of your children, then they're going to fear not being accepted by those friends. If possessions are the God in your children's life, then they're going to fear losing those possessions. And that, and that was completely interesting. As you look through the, the world and you see false religions, you uh, um, uh, animists, or those that, believe, that fear the spirits, that try to appease the spirits, they're gods to these people, and they fear them, and they try to please, please them. They fear being, uh, being cursed or, or being given uh, judgment by these spirits. They fear them. They hold them up, and they fear them rather than the true God. And that's going on in our world today. Uh, dare I say, one of the gods that's very... Uh, big right now is COVID. People will choose out of fear of COVID. They will refuse to do what God says out of fear, and they and they refuse to trust God out of fear. And I'm not I'm not up here to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. That's not what I'm here for. But I'm but it's it's happening. People are so afraid of COVID, and they're choosing to take their eyes off of God's promises and, and they refuse to trust God because of this. <clears throat> so we see the children of Israel <clears throat> refusing to hear God's word and walking after their own ideas, their own imaginations, walking after other gods uh, and serving them and worshiping them. And it says in the end of verse 10, uh, shall even be as the skirtle, which is good for nothing, so they became good for nothing. <clears throat> the good that God would want to do through them, uh, they couldn't have that. <clears throat> Verse 11, For as the girdle cleaveth to the loins of man, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of, Is- of Judah. Uh, I know for sake of time, I'll try to, uh, to be fast here. It says, that they might be unto me for a people. So this is what God wanted, for, that they shall be unto me a people. God wants a people that are called by his name. God wants a people that bear his banner, that bear his name on them. He says uh, that they might be, might be unto me for a people and for a name. I think that what it means here is God wants renown. God wants to be held in high repute. God wants a people that would make him known and exalted before the world. It says, uh, for a people and for a name and for a praise. God wants to be exalted. He wants to be praised. <clears throat> so many times I fail to praise him. And I was thinking about this. I think a lot of times it's because I don't really know what's in it for me. And that's obviously the wrong attitude. And we see here, God wants to praise. Praise is for Him. And surely there are benefits to us for praising Him. No doubt about that. But, but so often I'm so selfish. And well, what's in it for me? We ought to praise God. We ought to lift Him up. God wants to be praised he says, and for a glory. 
God wants a people that will shine His beauty, His glory out to the world. <clears throat> I have no beauty. And I think you understand I'm not talking about physical beauty, and you already know I have none of that. <clears throat> but I have, no, I have no beauty. I have no goodness. But God wants to shine through us. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father. And God wants to shine His beauty through us, through man. And the children of Israel wouldn't hear. <clears throat> it says, uh, again, verse 11, For as the girdle cleaveth to the loins of man, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, saith the Lord, that they might be unto me for a people and for a name and for a praise and for a glory. But they would not hear. And for that they became good for nothing. All these things, God wanted them to be a people. God wanted them to be a name. God wanted them to be a praise and a glory. They could have been that, but they became good for nothing because of their sin. And just in conclusion, briefly here, I mentioned God wants a people called after His name. God wants a people that will make His name known and lift it up. God wants a people that will praise Him. God wants a people that will show His beauty through them. And I think year 2022, is that going to be us? Are we going to be that people here in 2022? And if you're lost, if you're saying no to God and you're following after your own imaginations and you're following after these gods that make you happy, that, that, that fulfill your lusts, turn to Christ. God has to judge, but Christ died for you, took your punishment upon Him so that you wouldn't have to. And I urge you to turn from that evil, those evil that evil thinking, Look to Christ, humble yourself, realize there's no good in you. You have nothing to offer God, but understand that Christ wants to offer you his righteousness. Look to him for salvation. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your love, for your word. And in